0: I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of the Scriptures this morning and turn with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus in chapter 18. Oddly enough, we are going to uh, study three chapters here today, 18 to 20, 20 being one of the most, uh, the, the key passage, a significant passage in the book of Exodus, for it is in the book of Exodus in chapter 20, that we read about the law being given to Moses, thus uh, being given to Israel. And when we think about the law, a significant number of these uh, laws start with the Hebrew word law. And law sounds just like what it means. It means no. (laughs) No. You know, thou shalt not, is the King James translation, but it basically means this, no stealing, no this, no that, no the other thing. And it comes across as kind of harsh, drawn big heavy lines, you know, and yet the exact opposite is true. We're going to look at three chapters here today that are all about relationships, Now, I wonder how that word fell on your ears this morning. How are your relationships today? Your spouse, your kids, your parents. How's that going this morning, I wonder? It doesn't matter to anybody near as much as it matters to you because, my friends, the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of your relationships And so as we talk about these uh, three chapters, the thread that runs through all of them is relationship. And I hope that this morning as we're just studying and and quickly going through these three chapters, that you're going to find some direction to maybe make some healing, to maybe build up some relationships, to learn how to live well in order to experience a good life, my friends. God's design for us is that we have a relationship with Him, and in a healthy relationship with Him, we are able to have a healthy relationship with others. And the mean result of that, my friends, is good living. So let's pray together, and then we'll jump in. God, help us now in this time where we study Your Word, God. Help us now in this very moment Decide today whether it is that we will hear your word and apply it to our life or simply nod our head at the end and say, yep, that was good. God, you mean so much more for us than just to hear it and to know it, but to live it out and experience the life that you meant for us. So God, help us to choose wisely here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, starting here in chapter 18, again, the thread that runs through it is all about relationship. And uh, we notice that immediately here in verse 1 because the first thing we are introduced to is a reunion. It is all about family, Moses' relationship with his family here in chapter 18. Notice here in verse 1, Jethro, the priest of Midian, which is Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. And how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. I think it's significant that we look here at that last clause that says how the Lord brought them out. Not that the Lord brought them out. It wasn't that uh, it was that he brought them out. But it was how the Lord had delivered the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Egypt. It was with a strong arm, these 10 plagues, even as the army and their last vestiges chasing after this nation are drowned in the Red Sea as Israel walked through on dry ground. My friends, it was how God set them free that was so spectacular. It wasn't by the wisdom of man, but it was by the power of God And here we see this reunion formed based on the impetus here is this good news. The nation of Israel is now free. And I want to tell you just, you know, a couple of things that we should be aware of here. God is building a nation. Now, you remember the foundation is Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, which is perhaps one of the most important passages to understand if we are to understand the movement of Scriptures is this covenant that was made between God and Abraham. You may recall that God made a covenant with Abraham. It was an eternal covenant, and his covenant was this. I am going to bless you, personal blessings, and I'm going to make out of you a great nation. I'm going to bless that nation, national blessing. Anyone that blesses this nation, I will bless anyone that curses this nation, I will curse, and don't miss the last part here. And through this nation, the blessings to the whole family of the world. You know, he's talking about beyond Israel, to every nation. And, of course, the heart of this blessing is going to be Jesus, talking about Jesus. Didn't just come for Israel, though he did. He came for all of us. And so we have the formulating ideas, concepts, this covenant about a nation. But what does it really take to make a nation? I mean, think about this here for this morning here. I would suggest to you three things. It requires three things to become a nation. The first one is perhaps the most obvious. You got to have a whole lot of people. You know, you can have a big group wandering through the desert, but you got to have a lot of people. And remember, about this time, we got about two and a half million people. Seventy-five people went down into Egypt. Two and a half million, four hundred years later, came out, and they're a nation. But a number of people isn't enough. What you have is a large mob. You need three things, people, and then you need a law, something to govern them, something to guide their relationships Primarily with God and with one another. We're going to see that in the book of Exodus. This covenant, this constitution of the people of Israel. We, we refer to it often as the law. And then the last thing is a land. And we know already that God has promised them a land. And you remember the description he gives to this land. He's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's such an unusual phrase, but it means rich. It means it's good soil. It means it's going to be a great place to live, and God has prepared it for them. And so they are on the way to this land, but what they need now is the law. So take a look here, the reunion, the news they are now out of Egypt in the return. Here in verse two, now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with his two sons, her two sons, and the name of the one, of course, was Gershom, for he said, "I have been a sojourner in the foreign land." And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, "The God of my father was my help, and He delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh." And so, naming his children was giving praise to to the God who delivered them. It's, it's a really a, a beautiful picture here. And then here in verse 5, we notice that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped in the mountain of God. They're at the Sinai Peninsula at this point. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons, Moses, verse 7, went out to meet his father-in-law. Now, in this reunion, we see this welcome here in 7 to 9, verses 7 to 9. We see the greeting here in verse 7. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and kissed him. That is a sign of great respect, a great honor, bowing down, showing reverence and respect to this man. And why not? He has cared for his family during these difficult times. We don't know when this family, when Moses sent off his wife and his kids, Kids. All we can do is make conjecture, so it doesn't matter. The point is this He sent them away, and now they're coming back. And they asked each other of the welfare and went into the tent. And they asked, It is such a classic thing. What is the first thing you do when you see someone? Oh, how are you? We do this weekly, sometimes daily. How are you today? How are you doing? <coughs> I myself have a bit of a cough. <coughs> thank you for asking. All right, friends, and here we go. So we've got this greeting, this welcome. We can see they're on good terms. It's a healthy family. And man, how golden is a healthy family, a family that loves one another, that puts one another first. It's true of a family. It's true of a marriage. It's true of a church. Blessed is the group of people who put one another ahead of themselves. That means everybody's looking out for everybody. And blessed is the church that loves one another. And that's what this family was doing, loving one another. And then, of course, we get the updates. Well, how have you been? What's been going on down on the ranch? Look at here, verse 8. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And I want you to notice this response that starts here in verse nine and continues on through verse 12. "Jethro revol- rejoiced for all the good the Lord had done for Israel and that had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians." I would imagine, "rejoiced" looked a little different than, "Oh, that's nice." Which, let's be honest, you know, you see that a lot. You know, someone asks you how you've been, you tell them, and they're like, yeah, that's nice. You know, but blessed is the friend, the one who has a friend, who delights and celebrates and brings water to the man who has a cough. (laughs) Thank you, Perry. May your tribe increase, my friend. And so here's the update, and then comes the response. Blessed be the Lord, verse 10. Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now here comes a statement that, uh, that, that, uh, well, let's take a look at it, then we'll talk about it. Verse 11. You remember a theme running through this, this, this time of plagues, this one devastation on Egypt after another, that the Lord seems to be making clear as much, that I is doing this, that they may know that I am Yahweh, that they might know me, and in knowing me, praise me. Look at what um, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, says here. Now I know. Well, it apparently was effective God revealing his power, his mercy, and his goodness for this nation has made it clear. Now, now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And so he is praising, celebrating with Moses and the nation of Israel, and he is praising Yahweh, you know, translated here, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and that he is worshiping. Now, some would suggest that this is a statement of conversion. Now I know, now I have been convinced that there is one great God, and it is the God of Israel. I don't know what it is or not, but I sure know it's an awfully big celebration because he just keeps going on and on and on. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, look at this worship. He brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so here is this great reunion, a great welcome, and a great celebration You know, this response. But then, we've got some help from the family. You know, they've greeted, they're celebrating and, you know, hugging and telling stories. But now things kind of get back to the norm. You know, what's going on? And I want you to notice here in verse 13 to 27, Moses' ministry in verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. They had questions about the, how should we, what do we do under these circumstances? This guy did this, I think that. What do you think, Moses? What does God say in these circumstances? And Moses is doing it from morning till evening. This is all about relationships. People disagreeing. And you have two choices when you disagree with someone. You can disagree and work it out, or you can just be disagreeable toward people. And and let's face it, every one of us has chosen both paths as it goes. And here, the point is reconciliation. How do we apply truth that will bring unity to people? But Jethro has a concern, having watched this. Again, we're talking about his observation Verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? I mean, why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Well, he knew what it was all about. He was just questioning the strategy Verse 15, and Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people have come to me and inquire of of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. It's a good thing. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. It's not so much what you're doing, but how you're doing it. Notice verse 18. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, that is a somewhat questionable statement, but we will see as we continue our study through Exodus and weeks to come, we're going to see that this very strategy that is proposed by Jethro is adopted But look at his suggestion. Now, my friends, this is love. Now, you can come along, someone, see them struggling, and you can say, here, let me grab the other end. Or you can say, hey, why don't we get a tool to make it easier, you know? And that's that's what Jethro has done here. He's like, surely I could sit down and help, or maybe I could offer some counsel that will make the whole thing a whole bunch easier for everyone. And here's his counsel, verse 19. Again, we're talking about relationships here. Moses' excellent relationship with his father in law has been a source of encouragement and now a, 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 a sort of a help to him. You know, offering this counsel I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall present to the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws. And make them known in a way which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy. And I love this expression. And hate a bribe. Not just opposed to it, but are sickened by the very thought of it. They hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every matter that they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Hey, this sounds familiar. Wasn't it just the previous chapter that Moses stood over on the cliff while the battle was going on, holding up the staff of God? And you remember what happened? Everybody hold your arm out here for just a moment, okay? No, don't do the Hitler thing, okay? We're a church. Let's do, I don't know. Just hold your arm. It gets weary, doesn't it? All right, let's have a little contest to see who can, no, we're not doing that, (laughs) friends. It gets weary, some things you just can't do on your own. And so Aaron and her, they both were helping to hold up and lift up his arm. And that's all that Jethro was saying. It's, hey, maybe we involve some more people. And we all work together and it's easier for all of us. Look at here in verse 23. And if you do this, God will direct you and you will be able to endure And all this people also will go to their place in peace. Having family around that cares, cares enough to get involved. That's relationships, my friend. Healthy relationships lead to a healthy living. If you do this, God will direct you. That's what he says. Hey, trust God in this matter, not so much me. But if you do this, all the people will also go to their places in peace. And Moses accepts, verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads of the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens. Some good delegation right there. And they judged the people at all times. And any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decide themselves. And then Moses let his father-in-law depart. And he went away to his own country. Hmm. And so here we have this insight into a family, a reunion, a welcome, a celebration, and then some counsel. But now we shift to a different kind of relationship. Not just within a family, but a nation with their God. And here we see in chapter 19, Israel's relationship with God. The law, being that constitution we talked about, is now on the agenda. Look at here in verse 1 in chapter 19. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they sent out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped, encamped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain. And here is a question, a question that Israel might wrestle with. It is the same kind of question that you and I must wrestle with every day. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen. What I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself—that expression, being born on eagles' wings—you know, the, the whole concept of how eagles raise their eaglets, you know—is—is is they're in this nest, a wonderful nest, for a certain period of time until it's time to go fly. Now, the fact of the matter is, eagles can be a lot like you and I. Well, I'm comfortable here. Why don't I want to go someplace else? And so the eagle starts making it all uncomfortable out there. You know, but as those eaglets, they, they jump out and start flying. You know what mama eagle does? Soars underneath them. It's a little bit of a safety net. Yeah, you get to soar, but you know you're not alone. Friends, it ought to be the pattern, I would hope, of families, it's time to set on, on on your own, but not by yourself. Sounds re- uh, redundant there, but it's a different thing. Learn to take some steps on your own. It's not unlike uh, uh, you remember teaching your kids to ride a bike? You remember what that endeavor was like? You know, a whole lot of huffing and puffing is what it was like. You know, they're the one pedaling and steering, but you're the one running behind them as best you can They keep them going, you know, a little bit of balance. And what are they saying? Don't let go, daddy. Don't let go. I'm not going to let go. But what you're saying is not yet anyway, because the whole plan is to let go. But to get them there, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great, great picture here. And God has cared for them, and made sure they were safe. How has He made them safe? He delivered them dry land through the Red Sea. You know, He took them a certain way. It took a little longer, but it was a little safer. And here is God caring for the people. But He's got some words to say now. Therefore, if you will indeed look at here, look at verse four. You yourself have seen what I have done to the Egyptians. How I bore myself. My uh, how I have how I bore you in eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, and here's the question, friends, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people. So Moses came and called to the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded. And all the people answered together and said this. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Which is really a great question of intent. It's kind of like when two people get married. They're about to share some big, heavy vows. I mean, some seriously monster-sized vows. You're going to love this woman, this man. You're going to say no to you the rest of your life to invest in them. Like, the rest of your life until you're dead or they die first. That's some big, heavy stuff. But before they do, there's this question of intent. You know, before they ever make it up to the altar, the question is this, is it your intent to do these things? Let's make sure that we think carefully before we speak. And honestly, if uh, Israel had the wisdom that you and I have, it would be this. They would say, no, we are not able. We're just not able We're we're sinful people. We have a propensity to walk away, to disobey, to do our own thing, to think, do the thing that we think is right. But they said, yeah, we'll do it. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words to the people of the Lord. Now we have here this, this introduction to this law, the Constitution, And we see the nature of the law here, that it's so important before we even get there. And it doesn't look like we're gonna get there this morning here, just uh, in light of the schedule. Nature of the law is this it is essential that we understand this about the law. The law was given to Israel, it was not given to the church, it was given to Israel. This was a constitution. It involved some 613 laws and statutes, but it was given to Israel. It was, uh, had the uh, idea of design to be temporary. This law was like a, a schoolmaster. It was something in the newness, the youth of this nation, they needed to learn some really, really important lessons. It was designed to be temporary, and by the way, it was unable to save. You could not be saved or made righteous in the eyes of God by obeying the law. That was not the idea. If you can follow this law perfectly, then everything will be great. The fact is, nobody could. It also had the design of this to reveal God's holiness, that God's holiness is far beyond our own. Holiness is is to be separate, to be separate and distinct. To be holy means to be set apart for a particular purpose as far as you and I. But God's holiness is his perfection. But it didn't just reveal God's holiness, friends. It revealed man's sinfulness. Because we will see just in this cursory look at the, the law we will see that it is impossible for us to follow. Every one of us stands guilty before this law. Notice the dedication of the people here and the preparation to receive the law. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. And so part of it was uh, was to realize that this law was coming from God but also to raise up Moses in their eyes. When Moses told the words of the people, To the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them. To consecrate is to set apart, to dedicate for a particular purpose. When I asked the question this morning, you know, in my prayer, God help us to decide today to hear, to listen, and to choose to follow you. That's about dedication, friends. Dedicating ourselves to a purpose, to a plan. And here we are, this dedication of the people. You know, let's, let's lay this out here. Let's make sure we know what we're planning before we take a step. And, uh, and with the dedication of this people, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments, the end here, verse 10, verse 11, and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And because the Lord was there in his holiness, in his greatness, there was some protection for the people. And the protection was there for to keep them from dying, basically. And you shall set limits for the people, verse 12, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Verse 13, No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. "'Whether beast or man, he shall not live, "'and when the trumpet sounds a long blast, "'they shall come up to the mountain.' So Moses went down from the mountain and the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, "'You know, this is, this is to dress up for. "'This is a special occasion. "'I want you focused. "'I want you clean is the idea.' Be ready on the third day and don't go near a woman. It was not about cooties. It was about focus. And on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp, they trembled. Well, then Moses brought all the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly, as, and as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses on the top of the mountain, and Moses went up then protection from accidental touching. Notice here, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. The pushing of the crowd, the peeking, the twisting the neck to get a glimpse. Warn them the holiness of God. Verse 23, and Moses said to Yahweh, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountains, consecrated. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down and the people told them, and here it is, the law. Verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 1. Yeah, let's wait till next week. Yeah, where we really have some time to lay it out. Got some good stuff for you next week here, but how about this week? Let's talk about relationship. Next week, we're going to talk about relationship. Your relationship with God and your relationship with the people next to you, in front of you, and behind you the people in your home, the people you grew up with. The question is this, friends. What you invest in is what you will live with. You invest in relationships, you live in relationships. The quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life. Life is relationship. So, friends... Think about what you've been investing in and dreaming about and hoping for. If the key isn't relationships with others, you're climbing the wrong ladder, friends. You're climbing the wrong ladder. God's great gift to you is a relationship with himself through faith in Jesus Christ and a relationship with the people around you. How you can invest in their lives and they can invest in yours. It is a great hope.